The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. Yes, it can seem rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, and it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance, from the quality of your inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. Here on The Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Are you ready to step into your vibration of change? Welcome, everybody. So grateful you're joining us here. You might be listening live on 1150 AM KKNW in the Seattle area or on Transformation Talk Radio over the Internet anywhere around the world. Or you might be listening after the fact um, on ChristineUpchurch.com or one of the dozens of podcasts that sends up. But wherever and whenever, we're very grateful you're joining us here today. And that includes my kitty here. Indy, who's insisted on being a part of the show, but I want to say hello to some of the others who are behind the scene before I introduce our guest, Mr. Benny Mathers. Benny at KKNW. Hey, Benny. Hey, Christine. And uh, you're a little, uh, you've got a, like an animal kingdom there starting, so that's, that's good to have. Yes, indeed. But, you know, two of my kitties are getting their orphan right now, and, and oh. we heard her <laughs> on the other side of the door. We'll see how this goes. Live radio, folks. Happens. Um, and hello, Olivia. Thank you for doing what you're doing at Transformation Talk Radio. Hello, hello. And anytime, Christine. <laughs> and the fur is flying. Hopefully it won't get it won't get too bad. I'm really looking forward to talking to our guest today. Uh, her name is Julie Ryan, and she's got a very interesting background. And she has some fascinating perceptions about what's going on in the angelic realm. What happens as we die? Um, she's got a fascinating book out called Angelic Attendance. And let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a psychic and medical intuitive. Um, she can sense what medical conditions and illnesses a person has, and she can also facilitate energetic healings. She can communicate with spirits, both dead and alive, and she can scan animals, <laughs> access people's past lives and remove ghosts from home. She's got some interesting stories with ghosts too. Um, and she can tell how close to death someone is. And it's really fascinating what she has to say about that. Her book that I just showed you is called Angelic Attendance. What really happens as we transition from this life into the next. Um, and she's also got another book called Angel Messages for Kids, which is a beautiful book. And she has uh, got her own podcast called Ask Julie Ryan, and it's heard by millions in over 100 countries throughout the world. She's a businesswoman, so her background, you know, is in business. Um, and uh, she's an inventor, an author, as I said before, a podcaster, and a serial entrepreneur. Her surgical device inventions are sold globally, which I think is so cool. And she has founded nine companies in five different industries. Julie's psychic and medical intuitive skills are learned, uh, are, are learned. So, you know, something that she's learned to do and she's got some advice for us as well. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Julie Ryan. Hi, Julie. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Very nice to have you here. And um, apparently Indy approves too, because she has <laughs> settled down. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, yeah, so... You know, I found your story really fascinating because there, there are so many people who um, are medical intuitives or psychics or mediums who sort of come out of the gate in, you know, as soon after birth, being fully aware of that realm. But that's not how it worked for you. Tell us a little bit about um, how your gift or gifts unfolded. Well, Absolutely. I did not have, I'm not, did not have a childhood where I was being chased by dead people, let alone what I would, if I had been, what I would have done with that information had I known it. So I learned how to do uh, medical intuition and communicate with spirit. And now I teach people all over the world how to do it online. And it's, everybody has the ability. We all come in with intuitive abilities. We've uh -huh. all had situations where 
we think of someone and then we get a call from them or they text us or email us or we run into them and we say, oh, what a coincidence. I was just talking about you. I was just thinking okay. about you. Well, sure. I'm there. no coincidence. And mother's intuition. We all know when our kids need us or something's happening or something just doesn't feel right. And Definitely. so we have the ability to do it. It's just a matter of developing and then enhancing that. So how I got started was a friend almost 30 years ago gave me a book called Anatomy of the Spirit by Carolyn Mace. Sure. And she called herself a medical intuitive. And I thought, what the heck is a medical intuitive? I had been in the hospital supply industry at that point for a long time. Uh-huh. And I'd never heard that term before. And of course, I was interested in healing, but from the supply side of the equation. Back then, we didn't have the internet yet. I'm dating myself. And so I did the old-fashioned thing, and I went to a uh, bookstore. And I saw a book called Hands of Light by Barbara Brennan. And she's a former NASA physicist who has parlayed very complex quantum physics principles into understandable English for the non-scientific mind. That would be me. Mm-hmm. And I read that and I wanted to know more. And so I called Barbara Brennan school and learned that she had a graduate of her school in my area that had a school. And uh-huh. so I went to her school and she took things that she learned from Barbara Brennan and things that she learned from uh, Kabbalistic healing and other methodologies and kind of made an amalgam curriculum of that. So I studied with her for six years while I was running my companies and being a mom and being a wife wow. and doing all yeah. that stuff. So in 2015, Chris, I sold my medical device manufacturing company and I was prodded to write Angelic Attendance, the book. And it's just all snowballed from there. So that's what I do full time now. I have a couple of companies that are still running, but they kind of run themselves and I have good Uh people doing that. So that's how I got to this point. And it's a blast. I'm having a ball. Get to meet people from all over the world and and help them in a minuscule way on their life's journey. Help, Help enhance it a little, hopefully, for them. And I think that it's not so minuscule when you can help ease people's fear not only about death itself, but about the dying process. Um, you know, having been around my mother as she was dying, you know, I wondered, is she suffering? Um, you know, walking around. And that's kind of stressful because as a daughter, I wanted to be able to support her. And yet I felt like there wasn't too much I could do. Uh, and and your visions and you know what you see and hear and and experience as somebody's dying teaches us that they've got lots of support in in very specific ways, which can truly alleviate the 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 sense of um, being sort of impotent in in, in the situation and and knowing that um, they're getting exactly what they need. Exactly. And I think it's important to remember too, Chris, that we all decide when we go, where we go, who's with us when we go, and what the circumstances are. Mm-hmm. And we try and wrap our human minds around that. And we think, well, how does how would how would anybody in their right mind decide to go in a horrific way? Mm-hmm. You know, a tragedy. And right. But then you talk to any funeral director anywhere in the world, and they have a bazillion stories about the families. The family sat with grandma for three weeks. Aunt Sally was with grandma. She got up to get a cup of coffee, and grandma slipped away while nobody was in the room. Right. And those stories are endless. Yeah, and, and in fact, my mother was lasting far longer than hospice said she should. They were a little surprised. And I finally said to my brother, who was also there, we need to go get a meal. You know, let's 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 exit for a while. And the nurse who was doing something on the computer, you know, with her back facing towards us, I saw her nodding her head kind of like, you know, she she needs to let go of us so that she can go into the other realm. Yeah. So people feel guilty sometimes if they're not with their loved one when they pass. But the loved one who's passing is always in control of everything. The other thing, to your point, Chris, about nobody ever dies alone, interestingly enough, my book editor, her name is Katie, her mother died alone. And Katie was an only child, is an only child, and oh, wow. suffered with that for years. Yeah. 
until she edited my book. And she said that was the most important thing for her to read in this information was to know that her mother was surrounded by angels and deceased loved ones, and even the spirits of deceased pets. Yeah. They're there as well. And that brought her a lot of comfort and a lot of peace. One of the things I found so fascinating, though, is it's, you know, we, we've heard these, some of these things before, and people who've had near-death experiences, you know, they see loved ones and that sort of thing, and sometimes religious figures. Um, but what I found so fascinating in your description is that it's like there's this, this procedure there's an order in terms of how they show up, when they show up, um, and how the soul exits. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. When the first time I, I saw this was when my own mother was dying in 2002. And I saw that she was surrounded by a circle of angels. And the person that the spirit that came in first was my grandmother who had died six months prior. Her mother, she right? Was running, she was running the show, my grandmother, my Mima. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I always thought, well, angels, her, maybe the guardian angel or God was sending some emissaries. Sure. Well, it, it was my grandmother. It's uh -huh. always the maternal spirit that's close, that's deceased, that's closest to the person who's dying. So in my mm. case, my mother was dying. It was her mother. If my grandmother had still been alive, it would have been my grandmother's mother. It's always mm -hmm. on the maternal line. And, and that's so beautiful to me because as a, as a human who's birthed babies and, and, and obviously been birthed, it, it, the, the women are the ones um, solely in charge of that birthing, right? It, it's, it's up to us. Um, and so it is, is very intimate between the baby and the mother then. And it's so beautiful that the same way as you birth into the other realm. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I find it fascinating, too, that in the Jewish religion, that a child is not considered Jewish unless the mother is Jewish, which is why when you see Gentile women marry into Jewish families and they want to raise the children Jewish, oftentimes they'll convert to Judaism. And I've got to believe that that's some ancient thing that's involved there that came up in the equation. But to your point, yes, we birthed our children coming into this world. We birth, we help them, uh, help birth them into heaven and into non-physical, back to non-physical. So the mother energy shows up first, then the paternal father shows up. It's the, it's the paternal person on the maternal side. So for instance, if I was dying, it would be my dad. My dad is deceased. If my dad was still alive, it would be my mother's father. It would be my maternal grandfather. Again, it's back to that maternal line, which is fascinating, but it always is that way. It's always that way. And then, and then angels show up and I'm a girl of 12 years of Catholic school. So uh -huh. angels appear to me like big old angels with wings, with white gowns, how my frame of reference, how I picture angels, how I was taught angels look from, you know, from the crib, probably. Uh -huh. and, and With the wings so, and everything, yes. Absolutely. Big old wings between six and seven feet tall, big old angels, hair cascading down to their shoulders and all of that. Is that what angels really look like? Who knows? Mm -hmm. Certainly somebody that's raised in a different culture, perhaps in the Amazon and Peru or something, they see angels as a purple ball of energy, for instance. Uh -huh. But we all process spirit through our frame of reference. And so I'm getting show up. I'm sorry. Um, I'm getting some intermittent freezing of the video. We're going to take an early break, um, but stay tuned for more on the other side of the break with Julie Ryan and, and learn about uh, what it's like when we die. I'm Peggy Snow with another Stellar Reflections Minute. Presence, or what we think of as being fully in the moment, is a key element in the process of healing work. As a practitioner facilitating a session, genuine presence takes us out of our heads where we tend to decide what is and maybe what should be for the client and moves us into direct experience where we're available to witness the person in their wholeness. In this receptive realm, our senses are heightened and expanded, allowing us to perceive what's seeking to unfold and to interact in the moment. There's something profoundly powerful that happens when healing is approached in this simple, pure way. 
balance can be restored, and healing can take place on multiple levels. If you'd like more information about the services we offer at Stellar Reflections, visit us at StellarReflections.com or call 425-999-9836. That's 425-999-9836. Are you ready to branch out? Take a leap of faith. Tune in to Get Rooted Radio with Erica Gifford-Mills on TransformationTalkRadio.com to equip, empower, and enlighten yourself. Erica will energize and excite you to power up your passionate dream that sets your soul on fire. So get fearlessly ready and get powerfully rooted in your yes to live it up, love it up, and let it go. Visit GetRootedRadio.com. Are you one of the many women in the world who've carried the burdens of work and family with the added circumstance of the pandemic? You are not alone. Join Mary Rose Campbell with five other powerful women on Saturday, December 5th, starting at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, for the International Conference on Resilience for Women, as they share what they've learned to create power for themselves under any circumstance. Get your tickets now at resilientwomensconference.com. The vibration of change, that magical place where life shifts from struggle to ease, from stagnation to forward movement, from old ways of being to new ways of becoming. If you're like I am, it can be rather elusive to get there, but when you are in it, you feel it down to your very core, don't you? And it can positively affect everything in your life, from your relationships to your health and well-being, from your career path to your abundance. From the quality of that inner connection to the fullness of your self-expression. On the Christine Upchurch Show, we explore ways to get into that vibration of change with experts in the fields of consciousness, psychology, spirituality, health, healing, and science. Join me, Christine Upchurch, every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on KKNW AM 1150 and Transformation Talk Radio and learn new ways to step into your vibration of change. Welcome back to the Christine Upchurch Show here on KKNW AM 1150 in the Seattle area and Transformation Talk Radio around the world. Also, you might be watching live on Facebook Live on Christine Upchurch Professional page. I'm talking to Julie Ryan, and we're talking about um, who attends the death of somebody as they're dying. And I'm not talking about the humans. I'm talking about in the, the ethereal realm. Now, Julie, you talked about how first the the mother or the the the, the grandmother on the the mother side um, shows up and then the father um, and then the angels who else shows up all kinds of deceased relatives and friends from all their lifetimes so i'll see spirits in period dress for instance in renaissance clothing and in turn of the wow. 20th century clothing and uh-huh. 1960s clothing. I've seen go-go boots and mini skirts and the, <laughs> the whole twiggy thing. And it's really a riot when that happens. And oftentimes I can describe what the people look like because the most recently deceased from this current lifetime are usually in the front. So the angels form a circle, Chris, around that person who's dying. And then as they progress closer to death, they open up into a horseshoe and eventually a straight line across the bed. For instance, if somebody's in the bed and then on the other side of the angels, that's where other spirits come. And then about halfway through the process, there are deceased pet spirits that show up too. And I can always tell if somebody has spent some time on a farm because oftentimes I'll see farm animals where there's a cow and a horse, cows and horses and chicks and pigs and Uh stuff like that. And I'll say, did your grandmother grow up on a farm? And they'll say, oh yeah. And I'll describe the cow and they'll say, oh, that was her pet cow, Mally or Molly or Uh whatever. And it's so cute when that happens. Mm -hmm. So it's important to remember that time doesn't exist in the spirit world. And time is a human creation. So everybody goes through what I call the 12 phases of transition, Chris, whether they die instantly, like in the case of a homicide or a suicide, or whether they die over days, weeks, months, even years. There's a gal that called into my show for two years whose dad was in late stages of Alzheimer's. And he was in phase 11 of 12 for two years. Wow. So, yeah. So, so what are can, those phases? 
Pardon me? What are those phases? The phases are, again, the configuration of how angels are placed around the person. They start out in a circle and then they open up into a horseshoe and then eventually a straight line. Also midway through the phases, there are, the spirit exits the body through the top of the head. You hear about uh -huh. people that have had NDEs and they feel like they've gone through a tunnel. Uh -huh. As I perceive it, Chris, the spirit is the main part of us and the body is inside the spirit. The spirit is the power source for the body, sure. which is why when the body and the spirit separate, the body doesn't work anymore because it doesn't have a power source. Huh. So the spirit starts to separate from the body and it hangs on to the top of the head and it looks like a cartoon caption bubble, the kind that you would mm -hmm. see where the words of the cartoon character or their thoughts would be. Uh-huh. And midway through the transition process, there are two additional angels that show up on either side of that bubble. I call it the spirit bubble. Mm -hmm. And eventually about phase nine, between nine and 10, there, those angels, those two angels wings start to move. And it's a very methodical, slow movement that's just consistent over time. And what it does is it creates a drag creates a vortex that forms above the person's head. And that ends up helping the spirit separate from the body. And the first time I saw this, of course, was with my own mother. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, am I going through a midlife crisis? Am I having a hot flash? What's <laughs> happening here? Because I'm watching this movement of these angels and I'm watching this vortex spin above my mother's head. And I knew- Powered by angel wings, uh, no less. Powered by angel wings. And it reminded me of a giant owl. If you've ever seen a documentary or, a, or some kind of a clip on a giant owl, it's, you can, they're silent, but you can almost feel the drag that their wind, wings create because they're so large. So in researching the book, I just for kicks, I Googled giant owl wings vortex. Well, come to find out that the wingtip vortex is an aeronautical engineering phenomenon that happens with everything that flies, every bug, every bird, every plane, every jet, every kite, anything that flies, what happens is there's a vortex that forms and it creates the lift. So I thought that was remarkable that here yeah. I am seeing this in the spirit world and it's affecting our physical world and it helps the person uh, separate from their spirit, their body and their spirit separate. So when somebody um, does astral travel and they're still living and, and not in the process of dying, um, do they exit through the head as well? They do. Yes. And it's funny because oftentimes I'll see if somebody has had surgery uh -huh. and they're, for instance, in the recovery room and they're still under anesthesia, their spirit will be flying around above their head sometimes. And it reminds me of Casper, the friendly ghost, the, uh -huh. the cartoon, you know, where... Sure. Those ghosts were also scary and Casper was happy and friendly and flying around having fun. And uh -huh. so sometimes I'll take that spirit and I'll tack it into their body. And it reminds me of Peter Pan, the opening scene, you know, Peter Pan has lost his shadow. Uh -huh. So he comes to the nursery to see Wendy, Michael and John and Wendy tacks his shadow to his toes. She sews his shadow onto his toes. And that's right. what I've done to get people's spirit back into their bodies when they're out flying around post-op. Interesting, really interesting. So um, what happens at the end? The spirit disconnects, that spirit bubble disconnects uh -huh. from the body and those angels on either side escort the spirit to heaven. And heaven looks to me like, I haven't seen a stone gate with St. Peter and a clipboard sitting out in front of the stone gate, you know, checking off people, whether they're right. allowed to come into heaven or not. I've never witnessed that yet. But heaven to me, Chris, looks like this big, brilliant, whitish, yellowish plasma wall. And oh, the, we go through it. Did you see the movie Contact with Jodie Foster? I did, a long time ago. ago. Yeah. yeah. She gets to the other planet and she's touching it and it's almost like it's plasma. It's yes. a, you know, it's like at the inside of a bubble almost. Uh -huh. And so that's the consistency that I see. And they go through that. And as soon as they pass through this plasma wall, it closes up and there's no trace of it. And I pass through it. I do this exercise with people who are afraid to die called the walk to heaven. Uh -huh. And it's where we do a dress rehearsal 
of what's going to happen when they actually transition. So it eliminates the fear because we're so afraid to die because of religions and cultures and yeah. all of that that have parlayed this fear. And that's why I wrote the book. May I tell you a quick story? Absolutely. Okay. I was at my mentor's and when she is doing a healing on me, I'm on a table, I'm on a massage table, basically face up and my deceased loved one's spirits are on either side of the table. So they're helping with the surgery, with the healing. And one day this, the spirit of this dead Pope showed up in the whole Pope outfit, the hat, the whole nine yards. And I said to him, well, who are you? And I, he said, I am Clement. And I said, there was a Pope Clement. I never heard of a Pope Clement. And he said, yeah, and, and you were raised Catholic, you raised Catholic. Catholic school. I never heard of a Pope Clement. And he said, yeah, I was number six. And he was laughing and he said, okay, may I help you? You know, why are you here basically? And he said, well, you're supposed to teach the world what happens when somebody dies because it's been so bastardized over the millennia. People are so afraid of it. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's really way easier than being born and it's glorious. So you need to just teach the world what's going on. Mm -hmm. And I said to him, so of course, this is after I had experienced this with my mother and I'd helped several other families over the sure. years. And so I said to him, I'm not doing that. I'm a businesswoman. People will think I'm nuts. And he said, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just get on with it. Just, you know, just do it. He treats me like I'm a Nike ad. He always just tells me, just do it. So I get in the car to leave, Chris, and just for kicks on my phone, I Googled Pope Clement VI, and I found out that he was in office during the Black Plague when two-thirds of Europe died, and he's wow. best known for his prayers for the dying and his prayers for the dead. And I oh. thought, okay, you can't make this stuff up. That's great. So it took me several years to get my golden ovary courage up and up to release the book and I thought oh my god people are just gonna think I'm crazy and my greatest fear was putting a website up and I and I traveled a lot for my companies and I would lecture a lot on business and my worst fear happened because I was lecturing at a big conference in Austin Texas with a bunch of CEOs and during the break, somebody came up to me with their phone and they had my woo-woo website, AskJulieRyan.com up. And he said, is this you? And I'm thinking, well, duh, that's my picture. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I'm really interested in knowing more. Can we sit together at lunch? And I thought, oh, here we go. And so I sat at this table of eight with seven male CEOs. And all we talked about all of lunch was spiritual things. They were so... Oh interested in knowing more and i thought okay so that just alleviated my fear and i went whole hog from there and it's been like that ever since that's amazing that's amazing so you know you had to face your fear and and i know that like i'm a former research statistician who eventually went into energy healing and there's this aspect of um sort of protecting how we're defined right. for fear that people aren't going to accept us. But um, one of the things I discovered was that for me, I made this more accessible to those who are more scientific because I've got this rational scientific background. Right. And so for you, it's like, you're this grounded businesswoman, you know, brilliant and, and you've brought some, some great products to the market and all that. And so people already have that respect for you and you've got this perspective of what happens when we die and, and our angelic support. And so it makes you in some ways more believable. Well, and most of the work that I do quite frankly is medical intuition stuff. I'm like uh -huh. a human MRI. I can connect to anybody anywhere in the world. I could scan you if you were on Mars, it doesn't matter. And, and I, it, I connect to someone and then it's like I have an MRI or a CT scan or an X-ray in my head and then I facilitate uh -huh. healings from that. So it's interesting when those linear thinkers say to me, well, I don't, I don't buy this. I don't, I don't buy any of this. And if I'm doing a medical scan on them and I nail something, there's no way I would know. Then that right. gets them thinking. But also they'll say, well, I don't believe that you can talk to spirit. And uh -huh. I'll say, well, do you pray? And oftentimes they'll say, well, yeah, of course I pray. And I said, well, to whom are you praying? 
I'll say Jesus or Buddha or the Virgin Mary or whomever. And I'll say, well, so is the Virgin Mary sitting next to you on your couch when you're talking to her? And they'll say, no. And I'll say, well, where is she? Well, it's, it's, she's in heaven. Oh, so you're talking to her, her spirit. Hmm. Do you ever get guidance? Yeah, I do. Has it ever worked out for you? Yes. Okay. So you're talking to dead people. Same thing. And it really (laughs) stops them in their tracks. It's really fun when that happens. And I think that um, there's something about um, the science of the quantum field that can make this seem more accessible to people. Because if, if there's all that information, if there is that, that imprint, that, that, that beingness of that person in the field, then of course we can connect with them. And it, of course, scientists talk about how there really isn't time. It's just our perception. So if right. it's all happening in the now, then it should all be accessible in one sense or another. Right. Um, yeah, but I think that it can, the, the scientific aspects can sort of relax a person's, um, sort of open their minds to it, sort of relax their, their, their judgment uh, momentarily. And then, um, it'll, but really it's the, the experience of it that gets people to believe. I mean, I've seen the same thing with healing and I'm sure the same thing is true with medical intuition as well as the mediumship. And the healing. I watch healings that emulate what I saw in operating rooms. I see healings that use methodologies and devices that haven't been invented yet. I see things get removed, things get added. I see whole new organs get formed that show up on subsequent x-rays. And I'll have doctors call me and say, what are you doing with my patient and how's this stuff work? And I'll explain (laughs) to them that I'm using energetic stem cell energy. And I'm and I'm watching what our body does on its own. Every cell has a nucleus. Every nucleus is surrounded by cytoplasm. Stem cell energy looks to me like, do you remember dippity do back in the day in the seventies, the hair gel? It was this hair gel when I, was, when I was a kid. Yeah, it was like hair gel that when they used to use those plastic rollers and sit under the dryer uh-huh. you know, for women's hair. When I was a kid, I had a babysitter that used it. It looks like dippity do to me. It looks like this watery hair gel with sparkles. And of course, it's woo woo. It's got to have some sparkles somewhere, you know. <laughs> and, um, and then it centrifuges. And I watch a vortex spin this stem cell energy around and it generates whatever we need new bone, oh. new kidney, new Interesting. teeth, material, whatever. It's fascinating. So um, one of the things that I, I find so fascinating is something that, that I, I had a vision about recently that seems to overlap this. Um, I was asking about um, my role and the role of light workers in the shift on the planet. Mm-hmm. And what I was shown was this iridescent white plasma-like stuff. And it was kind of like we were stretching it, we were thinning it. Um, and it was, it was about, um, and which somehow I, I in, interpreted to it be affecting timelines and our future. And so that, that iridescent, sticky uh, plasma stuff that you've referred to a couple of times, there's this connection there. Like yeah. that per, perhaps um, that's part of the building blocks of our universe, right. um, the ethereal universe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I talk in analogies a lot Chris, because it gives our human minds a frame of reference. And when I'm doing a, an energetic healing, I'm very descriptive with my client, or if it's a caller on my show, people call from all over the world, ask Julie Ryan, and I do healings on the show. I think I had 12 or 13 people. And so I'll be describing what's happening. And I may tell somebody a body part looks like a bowl of whipped cream or something crazy like that, but it's just to give them a quick visual Uh of what I'm seeing, or at least to sense, because it's been my experience that if somebody can envision or get a sense for what I'm witnessing in my mind's eye, it helps integrate the healing into their body because yes. the body's always going to follow what the brain's telling it, even if the brain doesn't believe it. Yeah. And yeah. the example I yeah. use for that is imagine your, imagine a time when you watched a scary movie on TV Well, your brain knew it was pretend, but your heart might've felt like it was going to jump out of your chest because the movie was just so darn scary. So I use analogies a lot on that. When I, when I've done healing, I've done numerous healings in person. Um, and, 
every once in a while, I, you know, it's all non-touch. And every once in a while, I would get direct guidance. You need to touch the person at some point, you know, whether it's after they sit up on the massage table and say, I'll do a little hands-on healing, because I knew intuitively that they were going to need to have some sort of connection in their brain saying, it is real, therefore I can accept the healing. Um, and, and it's that same sort of thing. It's like, it's helping people to um, sort of come to terms and integrate it into their, their mind so that it can affect their body. That's right. And I, and I always tell people it's spirit working through me and with me and no energy worker, no medical provider of any, who cares what their training is or what their te techniques or their methodologies are. None of us can heal anybody. It's all of us helping them heal themselves. Absolutely, yeah. Because you may have a surgeon that has two back-to-back -back surgeries that are identical. Patients okay. are both in good shape. The procedures go great. One patient heals quickly without any issues. The other patient has all kinds of issues. It's sure. up to that person's spirit to determine how they want to integrate the healing or not. Mm -hmm. And how does that play into what they want to experience in this lifetime? Right. So when somebody's getting surgery, of course, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of my cats today, right? Because they're, they're, they're getting dental cleanings and each of them has to have a tooth ex extracted. Um, okay. Whether it's a, it's a fur baby or a human and there's a surgeon involved and there's somebody you know, on the surgical table, what do you see? It's fascinating. And again, I was in and out of surgeries for decades because okay. I was inventing products, testing prototypes, training surgeons, training reps, that kind of thing. And what I see is the per this patients on the day on the operating room table and there's their guardian angel who stays with us, the same guardian angel through all of our lifetimes, by the way, which I think is fascinating, okay. is floating above anesthesia. And then there are spirits that are surgeon spirits advising the actual surgeons in the operating mm -hmm. room. And then there are deceased loved ones that are in a horseshoe shape at the foot of the operating room table. Mm -hmm. And there's always a correlation between how much prayer is being said for someone and how many spirits are in the OR, which I find fascinating. That's really interesting. Really interesting. The other thing, well, well you think about, you know, if, Prayer can even be somebody's thinking of you when you're in sure. surgery. So right. it's all that energy that's focused on that person for support. Mm -hmm. And then I can see in my mind's eye, the surgeons as they're doing the procedure, I can tell you what stage they're in, what they're doing, you know, what, mm -hmm. what part of the surgery they're performing at any given time. Oftentimes I can read the anesthesia equipment. I can tell you what their heart rate is and their blood wow. oxygen level and stuff like that. Fun story. My sister-in-law had back surgery that was multiple hours. And uh -huh. so I was on the phone with my brother-in-law texting back and forth when she was in surgery. And I had said to her uh, husband, Steve, I said, well, there are three surgeons in there and told him mm -hmm. a bunch of other stuff. So Wanda is her name, my sister-in-law. And she said, well, Steve said that you said there were three surgeons in the room. There were only two. And I said, all right, well, I saw three, but whatever. Mm -hmm. So a couple of weeks later, Chris, she calls me and she said, I got my bill. You were right. There were three surgeons in the room because I got billed for three, three surgeons. I said, wow, I just report what I get. And so oftentimes I can describe what the family members look like. You know, there's a, a little old lady in a story I tell in the book that uh, the husband whose wife was in surgery, I described this grandmotherly looking figure and I described, she had this sweater on with those little pearls buttons that buttoned up the front right. and, he, and he didn't know who it was. And so he called his sister-in-law and she said, oh, that's grandma Ann. I said, she's got white hair and her hair's in a bun at the nape of her neck. And she said, oh, that's grandma Ann. I mean, she knew right away. So that's really fun. And it gives the family such comfort when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I know you've had some experience with experiences with ghosts as well, right? Not just like as people are dying or medical intuition. Can you tell us a little bit about what ghosts are and, and what it means to interact with them? 
Sure. There are no evil spirits. That's all a concoction of religions and cultures to control the masses. Because what's the best way to control people? Fear, right? We In the Nuremberg trials, when the Nazi generals were on trial, somebody asked, one of the prosecutors asked, how did you get all these Germans who were so well-educated to buy into the whole Nazi thing and create Mm -hmm. such horrific situations and kill murder all these people and i mean you know really how did that happen and he said it's fear we we when masses of people are controlled they're controlled with fear Mm -hmm. and we see that now i mean we certainly certainly do so much fear in the world right now not just here in america and ghosts people think ghosts are really scary well they're not they're not scary at all. It's just our, again, our frame of reference. One of my favorite stories is one of my dear friends years ago when her kids were little, she was having marital problems with her husband and she was sitting in their living room and they had double doors, front doors that were very thick. And she said, there was this evil spirit that was coming through my front door. And I said, well, describe it to me. And she said, he, he, he just, looked evil. So she said she got up and there was an umbrella stand next to the front door and her son's golf club was in it. So she took the golf club and like she was going to hit the spirit. She said, you are not welcome in my house. Go away. So I did an instant replay of it. I can, Uh you know, go back in time or go forward or whatever. Like when you're watching a football game, you can do an instant replay. What it was, was as that spirit was coming through that heavy, dense door, its face got distorted, similar to you'd see a bank robber with a pair of pantyhose over his face right. to distort the face. So it got distorted. Well, come to find out, we talked to the spirit. The spirit was uh, had died during the Civil War. I live in Birmingham, Alabama, certainly lots of Civil War activities around here. Right. And he had died during the Civil War and was looking for his daughter. His daughter had reincarnated as my friend's daughter. And we got all this information on his name, the daughter's name, all of that. And we were able to corroborate it online with historic documents. So oftentimes we can do that. And I I think that's fun. Another fun story, Thanksgiving's next week, we have friends and they were at grandma's house and the, the two daughters were in the kitchen cooking with their mother. And she has all these antique kitchen tools like kitchen spoons and stuff like that Uh that that are hanging on the end of her cabinet and the two daughters watched the spoons come up off the hooks and drop on the countertop i mean just unprovoked nobody was near them so of course they're on the phone calling me going what the heck is going on can you can you do this so we did and we found the the name of the family again it was a confederate soldier who was there with his father and they own that property originally. It had been a farm and we got the family name and we saw the deed of the farm and we got all of this information that we could corroborate online. And they were just Mm -hmm. messing with these women on Thanksgiving. They were just messing around with them, you know, playing and using that. They're probably trying to help with the spoons or something. I don't know, but it's really (laughs) fun with past lives and with spirits. Oftentimes Mm -hmm. if there's a I just wrote a blog on this a couple of weeks ago. There was a woman, people submit questions online to Uh me all the time. And then I'll choose one once a week and I'll answer it. And this woman had submitted a question about, she lived in Northern California and she had a piece of property and they had a new building on the property. And she said there was paranormal activity in there. Uh Well, come to find out, I got the name of this guy, Sam Smith, let's say. And I got that Sam Smith grew up in the Midwest and he came to California as part of the gold rush in the mid 1800s and blah, 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 blah. So just for kicks, I Googled it to see if I could find Sam Smith. We'll come to find out. He came from Iowa in 1855 or something with his family in a covered wagon. He owned a sawmill. He he was a, a prominent person in the area and the land that her property is on belonged to him at one point. Amazing. So okay. multiple realities going on at the same time. Yeah. Is I have seen that. Do people believe it? Is it feasible? Certainly it's feasible. I yeah. I've and, seen and, it. and I've seen it too. 
Yeah. Um, and, and so it's this, this thing that, I mean, it feels kind of incredulous to our, our minds because right. of the way we've been conditioned. But when you experience, it's like, oh, like time folds over onto itself or some such thing. Right. Yeah. Right. It, and it, again, it's hard, it's hard for our human minds to wrap our heads around it because we don't have any frame of reference for that. Right. Okay. Before we go any further, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to, to share with our listeners how they can connect with you. AskJulieRyan.com. Everything's at AskJulieRyan.com. I'm on all the social media platforms at AskJulieRyan, Alexa, YouTube, everything is AskJulieRyan. That's great. Easy. Okay, so you say that people can learn this and that you are training people right. to do this. Mm-hmm. And some of the, the gifts that you have you know, received and developed are pretty amazing. Can anybody learn to do these sorts of things? Absolutely, absolutely. I've had probably right around 100 people that have gone through my training. I do it quarterly, it's online. Mm-hmm. It's four Saturdays in a row. And I limit it to 12 people. Uh-huh. Again, Pope Clement told me all this stuff. 12 people. He told me to use the Zoom video platform before anybody knew what Zoom was. Really? And I said, I said to him, you know about the Zoom video platform because universal intelligence, we know it all. And uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. He told me what to charge. He told me when to do it. He said, you do it on this date. And I said, I can't get it done that fast there's no way it was 10 days out and he said just do it and I said I gotta get a page up blah 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 and so I had mentioned it on my show on Thursday night the page went live on Sunday and by the following Tuesday 48 hours later I had eight people sign up in four countries and I thought all right all right all right and how that came about was a client in South Africa her mother-in-law was dying and there were were six family members on the phone with me because grandma got sick very quickly and they didn't know if she had a will or what her wishes were or where she was, what to do with her. And so it was like a cosmic conference call. I'm communicating telepathically with grandma and talking to the family. And at the end, this client of mine, her her name's Colleen, she said, can you teach me how to do this? I said, Uh yeah, probably. And then the next day I had another client asked me the same thing. So I, so I pulled in Pope Clement. I said, am I supposed to teach a class? And he said, yeah, like, duh. So yes, <laughs> we have people from all walks of life, physicians, other medical providers, scientists, judges, lawyers, construction workers, real estate people, housewives, teachers. I think I've had eight professors go through, PhD wow. professors who are in all different specialties, couple of nursing professors, couple of business professors, an art professor. And then they take it, people take it back into their worlds and utilize these techniques to help help people that are in their orbit. And then we have a community where there is something going on every day of the week. And people get graduates get together to do healing sessions or they we get together once a month for anybody that wants to join to to go over things. It's really been an extraordinary journey that I did not see coming at all. There was no plan to do this. I was just led to do it. And the other thing is it's just a blast. People are so amazed at how fun it is and how simple it is and everybody can do it. So the first part of the class is lecture and discussion. The second hour is practicum. So we practice and everybody first week right out of the shoot can do things that there's no way they ever thought they'd be able to do. That is so great. That is so great. So looking at the overall picture within the context of time, as we perceive it, do you feel that it is really important at this moment to be bringing this forth? Well, I think to your point, we're in a, uh, uh, what I would call a global reset of people that are expanding in ways that they never thought they would be. Certainly part of it has to do with, they have time, more people have time, they're not commuting as much. And I think people are, in some instances, more open to spirituality because they're afraid. And they're not get, they're getting conflicting answers. You know, you can yeah. talk to two doctors who have totally opposing views mm-hmm. about this coronavirus thing. 
sure. and this COVID thing and different schools of thought. Who, what's, who's right, who's wrong? I think the thing to remember is science is always evolving. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. Copernicus was, was proven, disproven. Einstein's theories were disproven by subsequent mm-hmm. scientists and and and, and also some of the scientists who were bringing forth really important ideas were locked up and thought to be crazy or you know heretical and um it's so there it, it goes both ways and so we have to be very very careful not to buy into something just based on fear or because it's the narrative the popular narrative exactly time. exactly and i think how we know what's true is if it feels calm or it feels it feels good then that spirit communicating with you yeah. if it feels bad you're based in fear which is a low vibration and unless it's going to kill you like in the next minute or two it's false oh, it's based I in love fear. that I so love that. people say to me god i'm so stressed out and everything i say if it feels if you hear something and it gets you all wound up and fearful and all of that you know mm-hmm. that it's not correct it's not mm-hmm. correct for you let me put it that way because I always use the line stay in Switzerland. You know, you want to at least stay neutral. And with all Absolutely. this political stuff going on, people are getting so wound up about it. I know. I know. And I say, look, treat it like it's an amazing spy novel, you know, born identity, Tom Clancy, James Bond, whatever. And uh-huh. if you can look at it like that and Ooh, what's going to happen next? What's this side going to do? What's that side going to do? Uh-huh. It keeps you in a neutral position mm-hmm. and it keeps your vibration level high because curiosity is based in love, which is a high vibration. Curiosity feels good. Yeah. Yeah. And, if and, and it allows that, us to, to assess things from that energetic perspective instead of correct. the emotional perspective. Yeah. And yeah. I believe that our emotions are our internal GPS saying, uh-huh. When you're feeling badly, it's based in fear. If it's a rational fear, like you're standing in the road and there's a truck heading towards you, get out of the road. Right, right. But pretty much everything else that's a bad feeling is our spirit saying, hey, you're out of alignment. Look at this from a different perspective. Yeah, yeah, I love this. I could keep talking to you for another hour or two, but unfortunately we've run out of time, Julie. Um, AskJulieRyan.com. Um, Julie, thank you so much for joining us here today. And thank you for stepping up out of entrepreneurship and helping us to um, open our perspective about reality, including death. Well, my pleasure. Thanks so much to you. Happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving thank next you. week. You too. There's so much I'm grateful for, including our conversation today. And I'm grateful to our listeners as well. Thanks so much for joining us here. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you'd like to empower yourself to step further into your vibration of change, please visit my website at christineupchurch.com where you can learn more about my insights, upcoming events, and private sessions.